Welcome back, everyone. This is I'm Not Selling You Anything, and I'm Brian Montoya. This week, we have Tom Slocum, a leader in SaaS that currently hangs his hat as the co-founder of Rev League and strategic advisor to some of the hottest startups in tech. Tom is someone who I've admired from afar for a while now, and, and to have him on our podcast to share his thoughts was really exciting. This episode is sponsored by The Sastronauts, a safe space and space for the builders and sellers of modern SaaS applications. Let's get to it. What do you do at Red Genius? Yeah, so I uh, recently took a larger role within Rev Genius as the community manager and also co-founder of what Jared and I have been building for the past year in regards to Rev League. So as a community manager, you know, I act as the liaison between the members and our team, really trying to act as the voice and the moderator of our brand by supporting the community any way I can, putting on events, running programs to really help build brand presence and trust within our members. Um, so it's been a thrill. It's been exciting. Um, and I'm excited to really, you know, make the community thrive and, and give the members exactly what they need um, in order to be, you know, very successful revenue professionals. A quick follow-up to that one. What is something that you're working on today or an event this week that, that, that may be new or something that you're really excited about? I'm really excited about this. So we actually just went through our fiscal year planning uh, as a community for 2022 and what we really want to drive on. And the thing that kept coming up is that your brand is your impact. And one of the ways we're doing that is we're actually kicking off our first ever women's conference on December 9th called Refresh. So I'm working with uh, the team on that, getting that prepared. Uh, it's an entire half day conference dedicated to the women of the sales professional world giving them an opportunity to really relax, kick back, network with one another, and empower each other to have a very successful 2022 and make a bigger impact as women in sales, right? And so right now as a community, we're really working on our DE&I, really trying to push that market and message um, and play our part because there's a lot of talk on LinkedIn. There's a lot of things going on, but we have a, a privilege as, as this entire 18,000 plus community to really make a difference. And so that's what we plan to do is take our brand um, and make it an impact for 2022. I like that you, that, that, I mean, that sounds awesome. I just want to say that I like that you say there's a lot of talk on LinkedIn, right? And, and, and that's a lot of the times it is just that it's talk mm -hmm. and it seems like you're doing right. You're talking, you're backing it up, you're doing it. So that sounds like a really great event. We'll link that to this podcast. Next question here. What is the biggest problem that your team is solving at Rev Genius? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but Give us I, one of the big ones. We're only here for 15 minutes. The biggest one for us right now is just closing the gap within the world of revenue. I think we've all noticed that in the you know pre-COVID, post-COVID, all this stuff that's happened in this last two years for us is that a lot of people weren't communicating. Um, everybody's running their own directions. Everybody was doing their own thing. And the power of community has been able to get conversations to happen, explore the unexplored, really be able to learn from other people in different walks of, of sales professionals. And so we're able to offer an exclusive space for them to learn, share, and bond over that revenue industry experience. And by doing so, we're helping them push the limits within their roles, making that bigger impact within their companies and getting departments to speak more often. We're getting RevOps to learn more about marketing and marketing to learn more about sales. And these people are now leaving the community and going back to work 
and coming with fresh ideas or coming with all this new creative stuff that is bridging that gap and allowing you know companies to run like a well-oiled orchestra and, and move in motion, arms in arms, creating better leadership, better retention, all of that good stuff is, is what our impact is doing uh, by building this community for these people. It's interesting you say that it's sort of like if we weren't in this hybrid, this remote world and Rev Genius never happened, like you'd be live, you'd be working at your company and it's almost like these cross, cross the aisle things never happened as much. Yep. But the fact that we are now in this like decentralized, disparate positions, the, you know, Rev Genius and all these other communities come about and it's like, maybe you wouldn't have that conversation with the sales engineer or product marketing as the seller or vice versa. But now that kind of you are in those conversations, you kind of know what, what those people care about and what they value. Yeah. It's like it happened outside of the company when it could easily happen inside a company. Yeah. Like these are things that these large companies have can actually can take a note, can take a note and be like, that's how it's done. Right. And maybe they can't get it done, but it's really cool to see that it can be done in, in your grassroots uh, in the way that Rev Genius has done it. So I think it's, it's really, really cool. And, and it's, it, and I admire it. So thank you so much for that answer, Tom. I wanted to go back in time here for a second, because you mentioned community and Rev Genius is a community. Okay. How did you gain your first hundred followers? So that's an interesting story, right? That started back in like March or April of 2020, right? Last year. Um, and it started with Jared Robin uh, reaching out to a few folks and kind of creating like a little micro community on LinkedIn where they were sharing their LinkedIn content and then started dialoguing, right? And opening up. Then they moved over to WhatsApp and we got onto WhatsApp because the group got a little bit bigger. Then from WhatsApp, they moved to Slack. And then from Slack, here we are now at, you know, almost 20,000 people with a WhatsApp still and still having, you know, the LinkedIn connections. But when you really look at how to gain those first community members, it's putting on events okay. and putting out things to where people can hear about your story and your mission. And so by putting on a webinar, putting on an event uh, allows people to kind of hear what it's actually about, right? So you could post on LinkedIn all day via text, but it doesn't sell the story as when I get to hear you or see who you are and hear your story through these events and getting to know you, which then over time, I agree with your values. I see who you are. And now we gravitate towards getting a deeper relationship. Now we're building this sense of community. So that's where that happens is through putting out public events to then drive funnels to your community. So partnering with other large names, working with other people in the community that align with who you are and what your community's kind of being driven towards, yeah. then, you know, get your story out there, get your publicity and, and cross pollinate with other people's networks, people start gravitating. And the other to back that up okay. is what Jared did really well is he found like-minded people that ran like he ran and was able to activate them as ambassadors. So we had an ambassador group where this was the most active people within that little group of members start putting out more, more content on their ends as well and sharing what Rev Genius did for them. Because the best way for you to recruit people is your brand and your story. It's why we pick most products that we pick all the time when we're making a buying decision. Right. Not the features and the benefits. Everybody has that. Coca-Cola is very similar to Pepsi. Don't come for me in the DMs. I'm sorry I said it. <laughs> I was, okay, I'm going <laughs> to. I know they're two different things, but you get what I'm saying. They're, 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 they're sold on the values of the brand and those yeah. decisions impact that, right? You either agree with Coke or you agree with Pepsi. 
and its flavor and stuff like that. But it, but you're making a decision on that perception of, Hey, I'm attached to this brand. Okay. So when you have ambassadors sharing that, it's a lot easier for them to share your story than you. I'm a big believer, especially on LinkedIn, you know, you're trying to sell yourself all the time and you're always on. And, and yes, you're always going to brag good things about yourself. You're going to think, Brian, your podcast is amazing because it's yours. It's your baby. Of course. But then other people, you know, I want to know what other people think of your podcast. Maybe that would get me more engaged with you. Yes, Brian's going to toot his horn and share that he has this amazing podcast with this guest. But I want to hear it from the guest or listeners of that podcast that then can help me understand from my peers. And so once you get those ambassadors kind of sharing their stories and tapping into their networks, now you don't have to sell your community as much. Just keep doing you. That makes total sense. And, and I think about it in the communities right now or like software is a commodity. Everything yeah. is very similar. What you're saying is I, you realize that you were a commodity. There's a, there's a lot of us, right? Dime a dozen. But how do you get people to really get involved and take to feel a part of it? They have to have some some skin in the game, something where they're really feeling a part of it. Yep. That's what that ambassador program helped you helped you achieve. Yeah, right. yeah, because they resonate, right? You know, when when I was sharing my story of the impact that Rev Genius was making on me in the first early days, other people raised their hand and said, I felt that same way. Wow, that's great. That was your solution. Maybe I should check it out too. Versus, you know, Jared going out and asking that person to come join my community and try to sell what it could do for them, right? Yeah. When I do it and I'm just sharing my story and you happen to come across it, you know, again, we all have, we're all going through the human experience together. And the more you can start communicating more and giving that space to have that dialogue, you start realizing we're a lot more alike than we ever thought we were. Speaking of software, I think this question is a good one getting right into that. What is the most challenging part of buying software? The noise and lack of communication, I think, are the most challenging parts. Going back to what we just talked about, everything's a commodity. There's a ton of solution engagement platforms out there. Outreach, yeah. Outplay, SalesLoft, all these great ones. They all have all these great features. There's you know email providers all doing the same stuff. Data providers, Zoom Info, Seamless. They're all in this space. And so as we're trying to buy software, like they all pretty much are similar. They're building the same UI. Their, their interfaces are pretty identical. It's a matter of what reading through that noise and determining which one solves your issue at its core, like it's a real issue that you're trying to do. Um, and then once you select that product or solution, the purchasing process is a pain. You know, even in a community, we're trying to bring in tech stack. We're trying to bring in things for to help us run as a community. And we'll go put a demo request in and it'll take days to get back. You can't see days. pricing on the wayside. Yeah, days, days. Like straight days. up, nobody's getting back to us. And the pricing. Okay. And pricing. Pricing is a big deal, right? I don't know why people, uh, okay, let me reframe that. I know why people don't put their pricing. I'm well aware of the business decisions on the back end. And I know there are people, there's a reason why it doesn't happen as we all sit here and say, do more of it. They're like, okay, come do this role and you'll find out you can't, right? Yeah. There's a reason. But being a little bit more transparent, right? Putting ranges, um, giving me an idea of what to expect, you know? Hey, this package is anywhere from zero to $1,000. This one's 2,000 to 5,000, right? Um, but doing something is a big help. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, the whole purchasing process is really, you know, an issue. And then from there, you got to look at company buy-in can be tough as well. 
Um, even when I was the sales development leader and I was bringing in products, I was very tapped in the network. There was a lot of great tech stack, but then you got to deal with budget, buy-in, maybe your, your buddy over on the other side of the yeah, team. It gets bureaucratic sometimes yep. too. It does. Um, and, it, and it's politics and it's all of that, right? You got to build a business case before you can just ask to get the tool in. And you want to work with somebody and you're like, I want to buy this product. They want to rush you through their purchasing process. But you got to wait three to six months to make a deal happen because of all the logistics, getting your buy-in from your team to probably not even end up with that product when it's all said and done anyway. So I think, you know, the buying, the, the, the challenging part of buying software is just that noise and the purchasing process. Those okay. two things I think need to be the focal point of 2022 for most people and looking at where they can differ and break the mold on, on how people can purchase their software um, and what their go-to-market strategy looks like to, to be very different. That's a fabulous answer. And I agree with a lot of things. You know, we had some guests on, 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 I'm not selling you anything before. We always like to ask this question and it always seems to get back to, it's never, oh, sales process today is perfect. It never happens, right? There's always, you know, there, there's, there's, there's room for improvement in the sales process for 2022 and beyond. What piece of advice would you give an AE that was trying to sell you their product? People buy from people they like. So be human. Stop trying to overdo it. Um, send a quick message, share a bit of research and relevancy, and, and be specific on how your solution can help somebody. I, I don't know how many people I have to coach on when they bring me their emails or their script and they say, we save you time. We help you save this. Be specific. You have customers winning every day in your company. How? What is your solution solving for them? And okay, if you save me two hours a week or you, know, you save me more time because your software is more effective, efficient, how much time on average? Right. You know, how, what is it that, you know, hey, I say our software could save you six hours a week by doing this. And then that six hours can now, what most of our customers are doing is taking that six hours and putting it over here. What would that look like for you, Brian, if you got six hours back in your week, where would you put that extra time right now? Yeah. Well, that's a great question, Brian. I put it over here. So being specific, being human, and just have a conversation with somebody, um, I think are the ways to win me right now. Versus all the formalities of all the, the craziness that, you know, they're trying to hit all these checkboxes. Yeah. I care more about the content of your message than how it looks, how it's perceived. Send me a meme if it's relevant. Like, I'm not going to be mad you sent a meme if it's relevant to the story you're telling me. But if you're sending me a meme to send me a meme, like, okay, I'm going to delete you. Right. So in your emails, it's not a, uh, uh, I, I'm assuming you don't send any more of the, hope this email finds you well in these troubling times. It's yeah, I, I, I don't do those anymore. Um, I will say something that worked for me is because I know it's hard to break that, that, uh, that mold or that behavior. Yeah. It's what I tell a lot of people to do is write that stuff out to get into the groove of writing. But then when you're done writing, delete it, get rid of it. I still That's a great piece of advice. I never thought of that. Yeah. I write like, like, Hey, Brian, hope all is well. It gets me going. And I write that email. Then I go back and I just delete the hope all is well. And I still got in the groove of what I needed to kick jump my start to that email. But now that piece is now out of my email. That is a hundred percent actionable here. I love that reply. I love that answer. All right. Uh, next one here, because of COVID and the remote work environment these days, what has changed the most for the sales process? Everything. 
you know, just in the last two years, the whole selling process is beginning to change and evolve. It's harder than ever to be a red X in a sea of blue circles. One of my favorite phrases, right, is it's just hard. But I think two, two or three things that are changing is the end of old manipulative sales techniques is out the window. And you can tell the spray and praise, the, 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 the manipulative tactics, the, the double tap on the phone, calling somebody, Ooh. all of that stuff is like, a no-go anymore, right? Sending a meeting invite. Sending a like meeting someone invite. Someone might accept it and show up. <laughs> yep, just doing a cold one, right? Sending that out 20 yeah. times, see what yeah. you can grab, yeah. right? All of those old things are starting to happen so that now prospects are can spot it. And when they do, you immediately lose your credibility. Wow. Like don't ever email it again. You're already mixed, right? So that's one is now you've got to evolve more than ever, kind of be creative and, and be honest, just be honest. Um, and that's the better way to win than all these little tactics. Second one is the need for salespeople to earn their place or our place in the customer's buying process. And this is my favorite story. And I, and I share this all the time is that it's not the nineties anymore. When you used to have to you know, sit at dinner and your parents would get the call on the landline and, you know, that's how they got their information about what products were coming out, you know, anything like that, because we didn't have technology, we didn't have TV commercials like we do today, that now our prospects hold up all the information they need before we even speak to them. So now we have to earn our place in their buying process, um, where before we didn't have to do that, they would, they would need us, we, they would have to come to us to get that information, or we would go to market to them. And that's how they got it. Now, I don't need a salesperson at all. That's a great answer. Tom, we've arrived at the last one and everyone's favorite question. If you could have a gigantic billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Just my face. No, I'm <laughs> Yo, the goatee brothers, man. Let's That's do it. it. That's it, right? Mario By the way, listeners, I shaved a goatee into my face today. I don't usually have a goatee. I save that for the goats on the screen. But today, since I had them, someone that I look up to, on my podcast, I decided to join a man. So uh, I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us uh, about that billboard, man. What are you going to have? My billboard honestly would have a quote on it. Um, and this quote is very simple. It's you can only fail if you don't try. It got me through the past two years. Uh, personally, it stuck with me. It was a mantra uh, that kind of resonated with me is that, you know, I took a lot of, I, I tried a lot of stuff this past year, two years. I, I made decisions. I partnered with things. I did different things and I took some pretty big steps. And that quote was the only reason that I did some of those when I really sat down and thought about it is that, you know, you can only fail if you don't try because otherwise, if you do try and you go through with that step, you either succeed or you learn and you're going to learn what doesn't work for you or what was that experience to not do again. But either of those are a win regardless. So the only way you can fail is just not even taking the step in the, to begin with. Don't even do it. Um, so I would love to put that on a billboard as people are driving by, seeing that, and just kind of let them think for just even 30 seconds in their day of like, man, you're right. You, do, you, know, you only fail if you don't try. I just want people to go after what they want regardless of the outcome. But it's so sad that human nature is the default to the negative. When you're looking at a new scenario, hey, what if I do, what if I take that job? All this could happen. What if I don't succeed? What if I'm not good enough? Can we ever think about what happens if it were to go well? Why can't we default our human nature to think of the positives when we go into something and say, That's a good point. What if I could kick ass at this job? Oh my God, I can't believe they think I'm good enough for this. I'm good enough for this. I can't wait to see what we can achieve. 
But instead, you're constantly worried about the negative part of it of like, ah, is that the right move for me? Oh, I'm so scared. Do I leave my current company? What, think about what could be. Is that company something that if the could be is good enough, what is, does that excite you of what could potentially happen? If so, take that dive. But you're not going to know if you don't try at all. That's, that's, the, that's the reframe, man. And, I, and I'd never really considered it that way because it is always, well, what is the danger of doing something? Yeah. Ah, well, I don't know. This could come back. I may not make enough money to make rent. I may not make enough money to do this. Like, no, but what would that look like if it went really well? Maybe I do jump into the growth marketing role and I become like a big deal podcaster, like a couple of people at Jeff Swan. I know Tom Slocum. Those guys are pretty good. Fill the funnel. Um, so you're right. I got to say one more time, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to, to actually sit with me for, we got three minutes left and, and, and make a, an actual podcast. Like I said, I'm a big fan of fill the funnel. I'm a big fan of what you're doing at Rev Genius. And, uh, and, and it, it's been a treat, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. I'm so excited. You and I have crossed paths numerous times, been in that, you know, little silo for, for months and engaged in a lot of things together. Uh, you always give me a good laugh when you're in my feed, right? Um, the audio clips, all the fun stuff that we're doing. And uh, I'm honored to be here just as much as I'm jumping up with joy just as much, man. When you hit me up, I, I put you on a pedestal too. Um, and I love it. So I think we came full circle as the, uh, the goatee brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Happy to be here with you, man. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Well, that was just fantastic. If you ever get a chance to talk with Tom, he's one of the good ones, as selfless as they come and possibly the nicest man you'll ever meet. If you enjoyed listening to this, feel free to subscribe, drop a like, or comment on what we can improve. This has been I'm Not Selling You Anything, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all out next time.